Welcome to Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. Joined today in studio by producer Terry Labaugh. Hey, you got it right. I did. I remembered your your new married name. Thank you. I wrote it down to make sure I remembered. <laughs> I got a little sticker here to tell me so. Good job. Eh, what can I do? Well, we are having a great week. For those of you who listened last week, we had kind of a hectic time coming back from uh, the World Tea East show in Philadelphia where my compadre, Tony Gonzalez, he works for us. He's my operations manager at the tea company, had a hernia operation. But he got back to work yesterday. He's back in full swing. So things are finally starting to settle down just in time for me to go on my little mini vacation to Mexico. Good. Yeah, my semi-annual sojourn there. I didn't realize it was time for Mexico already again. I it's remember been about six months. Has it? God, it's, yeah. God, time, time flies when you're having fun. And I intend to have some serious fun, mostly non-tea related, though, I might add. <laughs> It'll be great. It'll be great. But I'm already in a good relaxed state of mind. So things would be good. This week, we are going to sort of veer off, maybe take a little vacation of our own from what we've been talking about. In the last few weeks, we've been discussing all of the topics about tea and health, specifically the components that make it so healthy. But we're going to take a break because the next four weeks thereafter, we're going to get into specific things that tea is good for, the conditions, things like weight loss, cancer, and other conditions that might ail you. You'll be surprised at some of the things that we have to say about that. But in between, we just wanted to throw in a show that was a little bit more lighthearted, if you will. And we want to address some of your emails because you've sent a lot to us and we've had so much material to cover, we couldn't always get to the question of the week. So instead, we're doing a show that is a sort of a summary of a bunch of questions that we've gotten. We've gotten questions in regards to one of my favorite teas, Monkey Pick, Taiquan Yin. Some questions about fair trade tea because I mentioned it but didn't clarify. We're going to address some questions that came in from foreign lands, one that came in from China, which is awesome. I want to read that email. Yeah, that is an awesome email. email. I'm going to read that one. And then we're going to sort of circle back around the health because we had a very long email about antioxidants and what they're good for, how much someone should take. And it was a very detailed email. So we want to delve into that. That is definitely one to listen for because there's a long answer for that one. But we want to start with our very first email, which comes to us from Robert in Boston. Robert writes, Hey Manish, after listening for about three months, I finally had the chance to visit your classy website. Very well done. While there, I noticed in your bio, you recommend monkey pick Taekwon Yin. Are you kidding? Is this tea really picked by monkeys? If so, why haven't you talked about this amazing fact? (laughs) This boggles my mind. Please share with the rest of us. Robert, Boston, Mass. Well, Robert, monkey pick Taekwanyan is indeed one of my favorite teas. I love this question, by the way. (laughs) I think it's hilarious. And in fact, oddly enough, it's the favorite tea of my little monkey, my baby Devak, who is seven years old and very much like a monkey. But unfortunately, the words are a little misleading. The legend has it that these leaves were originally picked by monkeys. Really? Yeah, but uh, nobody has any confirmation of this fact. And the words Taekwon Yin actually mean iron goddess of mercy. 
I did not know that either. Yeah, it's in reference to the goddess Guan Yin, who is in that part of China, and she's revered there. So that's really the origins of this tea and the whole notion of monkey picked. Now, that does not mean that there isn't something there. Some people think, because this is an oolong tea, and it's grown in a very mountainous and a difficult region to grow tea. It's not grown in, like, wild fields. And so the bushes are much further spaced apart, in some cases on some very steep and very rocky mountains. Okay. And so if you've ever watched people climb on a rock or on a mountain, you know, they're very small. And first of all, you can't have big people picking. Like a guy like myself at 6'2", 190 pounds, climbing up in there and doing all that stuff is probably not a good guy to have picking that tea in the craggly rock side of a mountain because he's more prone to falling off. It's a broken leg waiting to happen. Broken leg. <laughs> I could be broken much more. They have smaller people who go up in there and take care of that. Well, if you're on the ground, I suspect that they looked a little like monkeys. So are the are the plants themselves tall? Because I was no, no, no. They're they're very short. The bushes are short. Okay. It's not that. It's just where they're grown. It's not easy to get to. So between the two, some people say that it was originally picked by monkeys. Some people think that it's because of the way that the bushes were set and how <laughs> the small pickers look like monkeys. We don't really know. But the fact is, is that now, anytime you see the words monkey picked in front of a tea and so forth, it almost has come to mean like the highest grade of that type of tea. Okay. So when we're talking about Taekwanyin and they say monkey picked, that means like that is El Supremo Taekwanyin. And so it's really a very, very good tea. One worth having. Speaking of having teas, Robert, you live in the good old US of A. You ask me a question. You love the show. You want to try some monkey picked Taekwanyin? I'd love to send some to you. If you folks send me a question via email that I answer on the show, I'd love to send you some free tea. Seriously, I'm not taking your email address. I'm not selling it to any catalog companies. We just want to be thankful and grateful for your participation. Seriously, I would be happy to send you some tea. Email me your address, por favor. (laughs) And there you have it, Robert. There you go. So (laughs) please do that, any of you who do send us questions via email. And that includes any of the emails we're answering today. If you guys want to send us your mailing address. Not all of them. Not all of them? Well, because some of them are coming from foreign lands, as I said. So the next two are actually from the Caribbean and from China. So I'm I'm not sure I can meet those needs. But you're going to want to listen to them because they involve questions about fair trade and Dragon Phoenix Pearls. And then later in the show, we're going to really get into antioxidants in a way that I didn't think you guys wanted to talk about it. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Hi, my name is Roxanne and I am with the Maya Tea Company. Now, Manish and the guys know an awful lot about tea, and they've put together some incredible blends. But let's face it, sometimes they still need a woman's touch. I have a special gift for aesthetics, and have put the finishing touches on most of the tea blends that we make in-house. But I've also created my own blends from scratch. One of my own tea blends has become the number one seller for the Maya Tea Company, the Pomegranate Mojito Green Tea. Pomegranate Mojito mimics one of my favorite bar drinks with fresh green tea, peppermint, lime, and pomegranate. And don't worry, if you're missing that extra kick, this tea tastes incredible with an added ounce of tequila or rum. Don't be afraid to spice up your teas. That's what I do. You can find my Pomegranate Mojito tea, as well as recipes and many tea cocktail ideas at www.mayatea.com. You can save 15% on any of your tea selection, particularly the Pomegranate Mojito. Our coupon code is STEEP. Cheers! 
or as we say here in the Southwest, salute. Back here at Steeping Around, I am your host Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea in studio today with producer Terry Labaugh, answering your questions and emails that you've sent us over the past few weeks that we haven't been able to get to. One of the things that always impresses me is sort of the international flavor of the show. That always amazes me too. I didn't expect going into doing the show how many people would be listening overseas, but a lot of the email that we get is actually not from here in the United States. So, And we have two of them that we're going to get to in this segment. The first one comes to us from St. Bart's, which is in the French West Indies in the Caribbean. I will be happy to visit this place anytime. It looks pretty awesome. It was beautiful when I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it's <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. So I'm there anytime I can go. This email comes to us from Carly. Carly. Uh, Carly writes, hey, Manish, I never miss a show, but what do you mean by fair trade? In your last show, you used the term twice when referring to a tea. I know what fair trade means in regards to commerce or economy, but what in the world does it have to do with the taste of tea? Carly St. Bart's. <laughs> she is right. It doesn't have anything to do with the taste of tea. I originally mentioned fair trade in response to a question about yerba mate. Mm -hmm. Remember when I got called out about how horrible the taste of yerba mate was? And I was trying to send somebody our yerba mate. And I was saying that it tastes really good. And it also happens to be fair trade. Now, the fact that it was fair trade completely unrelated has nothing to do with the taste. But it does have to do with the economy of the tea. So how she understands it is correct. But I thought this would be a good opportunity to get into it a little bit more. When something is fair trade, what they're implying is that that product or that commodity has gone through a certification process where somebody's gone in and gone to the farmers or gone to the people who actually make this commodity and ensured that they are using fair labor practices and that the people who are producing the product get paid fairly, oftentimes more so than their non-fair trade counterparts. So in the case of tea, the tea farmers get paid more for their leaves, they get paid more for their work than otherwise. And that often is a big deal because in the case of tea, you have some farmers that are almost like indentured servants. And really, it's kind of an antiquated system in some ways. Now, fair trade has its benefits and it has its flaws. On a certain level, a lot of people don't get into fair trade because it really doesn't help everyone. In the case of specialty tea, the prices are already pretty high, so it may not have a big impact. But in some cases, it really changes the dynamic, and it makes the situation more win-win. In a world full of adversarial relationships, like we like to have good relationships with our suppliers because they're part of the team, right? But some people don't see it that way, and they're very hard on farmers in particular. So are certain countries more liable to have fair trade than others? or I don't know if there's, it's a question of more countries, but there are certain commodities. In coffee, tea, right. I think chocolate... There's some of those that are very labor-intensive where historically there's been some abuses of the people who make them. So there seems to be more of that in certain industries, coffee in particular. But at the same time, like even in the industry of coffee, fair trade is kind of losing its luster because coffee is at all-time high in terms of prices. I know. 
And so now some of the farmers who were fair trade are like, hey, I'd rather go the other way because I'm making more money on the open market. So oftentimes, huh. like in the, in the same vein, this notion that sometimes just having prices go up a little bit is all that really needs to happen. And it's kind of happening anyway, because in the old days, the reason people were taking advantage of the farmers were because there's so many people in the supply chain. Now that supply chain is really tightened up thanks to the Internet and a variety of other things. You can buy direct. And so in a certain way, this may be happening without the benefit of fair trade, although I'm not in any way discounting their intentions or right. their benefit because anything that can help balance the equation to make things more win-win is a really good thing. Our next email comes to us all the way from China, and I want to read this one. This because one's awesome. This is a great email. It comes to us from Lisa, and she writes, Hello, you family like you radio. You hear and all way like. I'm going to assume that her family really likes our radio show, which is very cool. Thank you, Lisa. Good radio. You ask, so tell you about Dragon Pearls. You do radio about Dragon Pearls and peoples will like. Dragon Pearls fun and grow big. USA not know about Dragon Pearls. Try on radio. Good. You ask, so tell. USA like. Lisa from Guangzhou, China. And it's so cool to get an email from China, which is really the birthplace of tea. Yep. To be able to hear that somebody is listening to our radio show in China and likes it. It's is, pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. I will get to Lisa's questions because she does make a note of another one of my favorite teas, Dragon Pearls. Phoenix Dragon Pearls, Phoenix Jasmine. There's variations on the theme. Here's essentially what it is. Green and white tea is essentially formed into pearls. They're hand-rolled. And these are really high-end tea leaves picked at the very first part of spring. They're very pricey. And you're talking about some of the best tea leaves on earth. And they are rolled into these little balls. And they're very small. They're only about maybe not even like half a centimeter, five millimeters. Yeah. They're very small. Mm -hmm. And then they are stored for like two or three months until the jasmine flowers come in, which is later on in the summertime. And then night after night, they are put into these containers full of these jasmine blossoms that then open up in the middle of the night because jasmine is a night bloomer. Mm -hmm. That scent is imparted into those pearls. And then, of course, the flowers are removed. And then the pearls are put in some fresh jasmine flowers the following night. And this happens for six or seven nights in a row. And so these are not only hand-rolled, which is very labor-intensive, not only are they expensive green and white teas, then they go through the very laborious process of being scented by jasmine flowers. So these are kind of like the top-of-the-line teas out there, one of the more expensive teas. Uh, really, they're, they're quite pricey. Now, we did touch a little bit on jasmine pearls, didn't we, when we did the show on jasmine? I don't think we, we talked. We may have just glanced over it, okay. but maybe not in quite the detail we just went into. We talked about jasmine in detail about a year ago on a show that we did on jasmine, but this time we were just talking about the pearls themselves, which is what she's referring to. The main thing about these pearls is that they're beautiful. They're great tea. They are. But then when you put them into some water, they kind of unfurl. So these tiny little balls kind of come undone bloom. and bloom and they turn into these beautiful beautiful tea leaves that float in your cup you don't have to remove them you can drink your cup of tea with the tea leaves in there extraordinary flavor extraordinary aroma we have them on our website just like we have the monkey pig taekwanyin they are among our favorites they're not cheap i'll tell you now <laughs> but they are worth it wonderful tea and i appreciate the fact that lisa brought it to our attention and asked us to talk about it on the air when we come back we're going to get into antioxidants again somebody sent me an email with a lot more questions about antioxidants and we are going to dive in so stay with us we'll be right back here on steeping around 
Hi, this is Sarah with the Maya Tea Company. If you've been steeping around with Manish Shah, you've likely heard me on random radio commercials. Although I'm sure I could have had you fooled. No, I'm not a professional radio presence. Actually, I work alongside your host, Manish, during the Monday to Friday 9 to 5, pushing paper and paying bills. And like most of us 9 to 5ers, I require a daily dose of caffeine. Luckily for me, working in the tea business, there's no shortage of caffeinated teas to choose from. But I generally stick to my two favorites, Yerba Mate and Pu'er Tea. Yerba Mate is strong and grassy, while Pu'er is earthy and robust. When it comes to flavor, these teas couldn't be any more different. But I can depend on both of these to keep me on the edge of my seat, which is really a necessity when you work with a guy like Manish. You can find these wonderful teas, Yerba Mate and Pu'er, on our website available for sale, but that's not all. Check out the blog section of mayatea.com for a blog written specifically on each of them by yours truly. You'll find a variety of other blogs there as well. That's right, Maya Tea Company isn't just about selling great tea, it's all about education and community. So if you like what you've heard on Steeping Around, you're sure to love what you're going to find on mayatea.com. And if you type the word steep into the coupon code, you can save 15%. Cheers! Welcome back to Steeping Around. I am your host, Minnie Shaw, and we are talking all things tea. Joined in studio today by producer Terry LeBaugh, answering your emails and your questions. As many of you know, we love your emails and your questions and oftentimes try to address them on the show. If you have a question that you'd like for us to talk about, just please email us. The email address is steep at mayatea.com. That's S-T-E-E-P at mayatea.com. If you're a fan of the show, fan us on Facebook. We have Facebook sites for both Steeping Around as well as the Maya Tea Company. And please visit our website, www.mayatea.com. That's M-A-Y-A-T-E-A.com. If you're curious about any of the teas that we've talked about here on the show, they're probably available on that website. And also, we now have a website for Steeping Around, www.steepingaround.com, so you can see some of it. We're just in the process of getting some videos up, but a lot of the links to the shows and photographs and events are on there as well. So stay posted there, too. We got an email a couple of weeks ago after a show that we did on EGCG, which is the major antioxidant in tea. And I guess maybe I didn't get into it in as much detail as somebody would like me to. We got a wonderful email in regards to that. This email comes to us from Becky, and it's actually kind of long, so I'm going to break it up into segments so that you can answer her questions. You know, Sort of one by one. Right. She writes, Hey Manish, love the show, listen all the time, but this week I was hoping for a little more on the subject of receiving valuable antioxidants by drinking tea. I was left wondering... How much antioxidants does a person need? How often do we need them? Must I consume antioxidants constantly, or can I load up one week, then lay off the next? Wow, okay. So how much antioxidant a person needs? I think that would be hard to determine, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't have any hard numbers in regards to that. Here's what we know about antioxidants and what you need and what you should do. First of all, you kind of can't avoid antioxidants. I mean, you're going to get some. If you eat, you're going to get some. Now, I suspect that if you eat completely processed foods, you will get very, very few. But if you eat whole wheat bread, if you consume any fruits and vegetables or juices or tea, you'll get some antioxidants. That's just the way it is. The load of the antioxidants is really something that's hard to quantify. 
Do you live in an environment that's full of stress and pollutants? Are you exposed to a lot of what we would classify as free radical damage? You know, maybe you're in the sun a lot. Maybe you do something that is prone to that. What kind of exercise do you get? What's your weight? What's your height? And there's a lot of things that go into what you might need in terms of antioxidants. So that's hard to say. But one of the things is that you certainly can't avoid them and you do need them. Because if you do without them for a long period of time, now it's not a question of weeks and months, but if you do without sufficient antioxidants for a long time, then you are going to start to get what we would call chronic diseases. Mm-hmm things like heart conditions, hardening of arteries, things even like asthma. Cancer would be of that type. There's lots of things that you can get that would be classified as sort of resistance diseases because you're not getting enough antioxidants and enough foods that take care of that. So this question that she asked, you know, can I consume them constantly or can I load up on one week and lay off on the next? You're saying that if you're eating good food, you're going to get them every day. Yeah, and it's not even an issue of loading up one week and not taking them the next. It's really just more about the habit. Now, here's one interesting thing. If you look at the research, a lot of the research says that antioxidants don't really have an impact, right? But all that research is done on people who already have those conditions. So they're saying, okay, well, what impact does antioxidants have on people who have lung cancer? Or what impact does antioxidants have on people who have a hardening of arteries or other cardiovascular issues? Mm -hmm. And now they already have the problem. And so now the antioxidants are a little late coming in. Then if you look at the longitudinal studies and the studies on thriving, they talk about, well, what if people from other cultures been doing that have really given them the thriving that we are seeking? Good point. And they find there's some commonalities. Heaven forbid people exercise, they drink clean water, and in terms of their food, it is sort of low in animal protein, higher in vegetables, and not too much in the way of grains, and very minimal processing of their food. That makes sense. So now all of a sudden, well, do antioxidants have an impact? You know, yeah. I think if you think of it as somebody's daily habit, you certainly want to look at that from a long-term perspective. But in terms of doing something one week and not doing it in the next, and something really deliberate, like, oh, I need X number of this and X number of that, it's hard to say. Now, antioxidants cover a lot of territory, vitamin E, vitamin C, vitamin A, selenium, uh, lycopene that's in tomatoes, beta carotene. Those are all antioxidants too, along with EGCG. So there's a lot of them out there that are in fruits and vegetables in particular. Now you kind of just answered some of her other questions, but I'm going to go ahead and finish reading the email. But you did kind of answer some of them there. Should I strive for an endless supply of antioxidants 24-7? What if I am male or female, young or old? Can I get all the antioxidants I need from tea? Two cups a day or 10 cups a day? What if I don't consume antioxidants for a few weeks or months? Then what happens? And can I overdose on antioxidants? From Becky in Coral Springs, Florida. Well, I I don't think you can overdose on antioxidants in this sense, not from food. Now, if you're going to consume supplements, you can overdo vitamin E, vitamin C. You can C. overdo anything. Yeah, no. you can overdo anything if you're going to take it in supplement form. But, I, I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed to overdo it on antioxidants from just food because you won't want to eat more. You'll be full. So <laughs> I don't think that's the case. And in terms of getting all your antioxidants from tea, no, you can't do that. you really got to get a broad spectrum. And in terms of how many cups of tea should you get for antioxidants, well, I can give you my habits. Um, I like to drink a cup of black tea in the morning. I usually will have an oolong in the afternoon. I think it's good for digestion, so I like an oolong in the afternoon. In fact, we're currently drinking a monkey pig taekwanyin oolong that we talked about earlier. And it is delicious. It's delish. (laughs) 
And usually about a cup of green tea or white tea, maybe in the afternoon. But I stop because I'm sensitive right. to caffeine. Whereas I could drink black tea until yeah. 9 o'clock at night. And so I bed. usually take about three or four cups of tea a day. Those are about eight, eight to ten ounces. And that's what most people seem to agree on, that three or four cups of tea a day gets you a lot of antioxidants, especially green tea. Green and white tea have a lot of antioxidants. So I don't think it matters if you're male or female or young or old. You should be getting a balanced diet with antioxidants in it, no Absolutely. matter how old you are or what sex you are. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that I've done in my own life is I've changed some of the things I've done to get more of antioxidants and benefit. Uh, I read a book called The Diet Evolution by Dr. Stephen Gundry. And this was recommended to me by some of my friends at the Center of Integrative Medicine who took one look at my little belly. I don't have a big belly, but a little belly, and said, oh, we can get rid of that for you. And so I read this book, and so I started uh, incorporating some of those habits, and I feel a lot better, and my belly is starting to shrink a little, slowly but surely. And um, one of the things that I do is I eat a very limited amount of carbohydrates, and I've limited those and increased my consumption of greens, particularly raw. So I ensure that one meal a day, generally for me it's lunch, is completely raw. So a salad full of greens and spinach and mushrooms today. And and then I kind of keep it low-key for breakfast. But then I can't follow the diet 100% because that's just not my personality. And so in the evening I go ahead and eat whatever the hell I want to eat. And then, of course, you know that I, I usually have my cocktails in the evening. Yes, I do. Know that. So, so I do plow on the on the calories a little bit in the evening, but even still, even the minimal amount. By that then I've done, you've earned them. I've earned them. I work hard. So, so one one thing I want to point out, she doesn't actually say this, but that's the impression I get is, can I get all the antioxidants I need from tea? I think as long as you're not eating like you know Burger King or McDonald's all day, you're gonna get good stuff from your food anyway. But tea is not a replacement. Well, or good food. You know what I mean? Tea is not a replacement for good food, but no. tea is a great replacement for things like soda and for other things that don't Absolutely. have any value. Tea is part okay. of a larger plan of wellness and good eating, and there are a lot of places to look for good, healthy eating plans. Whole grains, lots of vegetables, less cooked, not as much meat, and that's really the best way to go. So thank you, folks, for sending us your email. Keep them coming. We love them. And next week, we are back on the health bandwagon. We're going to start talking about some of the conditions that tea can help with. We're going to start in the mouth. Did you know that tea is good for your dental work? We're going to get into that and much more. So you'll want to join us for that. Thank you very much, Terry, for joining me in studio today. It was a pleasure. And thank you very much for listening to our show to all of you. And please remember, we love steeping around with you and hearing from you. Thanks for listening. See you next week.